Welcome to the Vineyard Boise Sunday Message Podcast. You can join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and vineyardboise.org slash live. Subscribe to our message podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Vineyard Boise, you can give online at vineyardboise.org slash give. Today's message is brought to you by Dr. Jerry Reddix. Enjoy. Well, I'm going to welcome our, our speaker for today. Uh, Jerry, if you go ahead and come up. This is, uh, I want to introduce you to Jerry Reddix. Some of you know Jerry, some of you may not. Uh, Jerry uh, is a, well, we're, let me tell you about the series we're in right now. We're in a series called Anchor Passages. And what we're doing over the summer is we're having various pastors and leaders share, uh, teach from a scripture that has been uh, an anchor in their life, an anchor to their soul, an anchor, anchor in their spirit. And something that they circle back to regularly as part of the, God's calling on their life. And so it's been a real privilege to hear these stories. Whenever we hear these, these scriptures being shared by people, I consider them sacred ground because people are sharing out of the discipleship of their lives. I've been thinking about the fact that people aren't sharing messages that they've prepared for one week or two weeks. It's messages that have been simmering and, and, and being produced throughout their lives. And so this morning, we have the privilege of hearing from Jerry Reddix. Jerry and his wife, Val, uh, run a, a missionary care facility up in Garden City, or Garden Valley. We're Garden City. They're in Garden Valley. Uh, but, but what they do is they provide a care for full-time missionaries and people who've been in trauma, people who are on sabbatical, and they provide ministry care to encourage them before they get back out on the field. So Jerry comes to us with a broad toolbox. Uh, he's been involved in clinical psychology, pastoral ministry, spiritual directions. He served and led throughout the vineyard, uh, specifically in Vineyard USA in our missions department, caring for missionaries and those who've been on, in, on the field and experiencing any sort of trauma. And so, uh, Jerry, I would just describe him as somebody who has a deep well that he can share from a, a vast toolbox. And so, would you welcome uh, our brother, Jerry? Thanks, Trevor. Yeah. All right. Oh, man, that last worship song, You Are Faithful, and Your Promises Are Yes and Amen. amen. Oh. You know, God made our bodies and brains, okay? The brain needs excitement and energy and then moments of calm. And then excitement and energy and moments of calm. And that's how I think the flow of life I would like. Oh Lord, in your presence and, and the energy and the, and the connection and the worship and the moments of calm to just let the reality set in. And I'm so grateful uh, for what we can do here to worship and have moments of calm and to serve and then to rest. Well, I am glad to be with you. I really am. And it's a privilege to have a chance to share with you um, my journey with Psalm 62. Some of you have been listening to Pastor Mike's uh, devotions, Green Pastures. Uh, you can get that app. And he's kind of talked about Psalms all week in the, in the run-up to this. And I uh, appreciate that so much. Well, the, uh, just a bit about me, um, Jerry and my wife Val is here. We live in Garden Valley, and we, as Trevor said, have a, a guest house for, for missionaries. Um, years ago in 1995, 
God called us to become full-time supporters of missionaries. So I left my private practice. We left the yacht club, sold the horses, etc., etc., and became supported missionaries to care for missionaries. And we've been on that journey ever since. And we haven't looked back. God uses the tools that we have to bring us to the place to support. And so we've had a ministry of support and encouragement to people around the world who live and work in really hard places. And that continues even now as we have pastoral friends that are in the pastors in the Philippines and Indonesia and Thailand and North Africa and and all kinds of places to encourage them that they can hear from God, that the God is faithful to them and his promises are yes and amen to them as well. So we came to Vineyard Boise in 2006 uh, we'd been in, in, uh, in Santa Barbara uh, before that and before that living in England. And so we've been part of this community and fellowship for quite a while. And I was part of uh, the U.S. national team for Vineyard USA missions. So we did that from 2001 and uh, up until two, 2021 uh, where we were on a sabbatical and the Lord showed us it was time to, to kind of set that aside and continue the rest of our member care ministry. And uh, as I was approaching 70, to let some of the younger people travel to some of those places that we used to go. But we still love them and stay in touch as best we can on the internet. Well, this anchor passage that I'm going to share today has helped me through COVID times. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about that as we go. And it's uh, part of that included a long COVID experience. And the main focus will be in, chap- in verses 5 to 8, and we'll get into that. Now, g- go with me on this for just a bit. I'm a sailor. I love to sail. And when we're talking about anchor passages, like, yeah, okay, let's talk about sailing. So I've cut out about 20 minutes of stuff on sailing, just so you know. But I'm going to tell you a little bit. <laughs> So I was introduced to sailing at age 12. I lived in Mayport Naval Station near Jacksonville, Florida. I was a Navy kid. Uh, We had a small lake, and I learned to sail. I'd deliver newspapers in the morning, spend as many hours in the day as I could sailing, and then mow yards in the evening, and then repeat the next day. And so I probably did 200 hours of sailing that summer, and it was like my passion. I lived to sail. And by the next summer, I was even helping the sailing teacher with instruction. I was just into it so much. And uh, those two years gave me a lot of fundamentals that came with me as God made opportunities for me to sail in bigger boats and, and longer passages. So I've learned a few things about anchors. And anchors are used, get this, anchors are used when you're underway, when you're going somewhere. When you're back at home port, you're moored, you're tied to a dock, or you're moored up to a mooring buoy. Anchors are about movement. Anchors are about using a sailboat for what it's made for, which is going places. And uh, as we look at the anchor passages today, they're about us in our real life of following Jesus, finding places of anchorage and, and, and how to anchor. And practicing is so essential to that whole process. Learning how to use the anchor and to do it the right way. 
Well, another story. So I'm 12 years old. I'm doing all this sailing, and it's just a great joy. I didn't have a lot of experience. I was gaining experience, right, in small boats in a limited space. So occasionally I capsize boats, sometimes kind of on purpose. Um, and, and one day when I was showing off, that's what it was, I rammed the dock with this 12-foot O'Day sailboat made of fiberglass. There was a crunch. And then Mr. Fumery came walking out of the boathouse. He was the boatmaster. And in his usual calm manner, he said to me, Reddix, now you will learn how to do fiberglass repair. <laughs> okay. So we're learning, we're in the learning curve and even fixing our mistakes. But good sailors always practice the basics, including having checklists for equipment, like anchors like you should be there when you go for it, or certain kinds of anchors. And also checklists for events that can happen, like when somebody goes overboard. And I want to let you know that if you haven't looked at that list and practiced and somebody went overboard, while you're reading that list, bad things may happen for them, right? So we've got to practice. And these anchor passages are ones in which we practice so that they're available when we need them. And I think Christian life is, is a lot like sailing. We're made to leave the safe harbor and sail into our neighborhood and go to movie night and feed and bring boxes and pack boxes of food and give them out at the food pantry and to go to Whittier Elementary School and, and bring joy to kids at Christmas time. Or like our team recently did Go to Thailand and connect with people that are refugees from Myanmar and bring them the peace of God. We're made to sail. We're made to take this and go out. You know, sometimes our passages take us to beautiful locations. I've got a, an image here of that that uh, I, I enjoy. Look at that. Isn't that beautiful? This boat. That's, uh, are we there yet? No, we're not. There's a sailboat. Yeah, I'm telling you, it really is beautiful. Uh, and uh, so you're going, and, 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 and you drop the anchor, and you just relax. You know, that's a nice sandy bottom. There's a certain kind of anchors that have flukes, and it digs into the sand just right. It's perfect. And, you know, you could just, ah, psalm of praise could come up, you know, at a time like that. Just thank you, God. But then there's also storming, when storms come and the anchor passages, the anchor needs to go down and hold. And sometimes we even use more than one anchor at a time like that. It helps to know how to anchor when that kind of weather comes on. And, and there's a really cool sailing passage in Acts chapter 27, and if you, any of you are sailors, let's get together sometime and read the Bible, Acts 27, and look at this whole passage on sailing. Again, a shorter version of it. Here's Paul, had appealed to Caesar. He's on his way to Rome in a boat, a sailboat. And altogether, there were about 276 souls on board. And they encountered a violent storm, 
and were 14 days at sea, doing what they could to save the boat. And on the 14th night, they sensed that they were close to land, and they threw a, a measuring line, lead line, and they found out the depth, and they threw out four anchors to hold them in the night. And in the morning when they woke up, the anchors had hold and held, and they saw a sandy beach, and they cut the anchor ropes and tried to make it in, but they didn't. And they hit a shoal, and the boat broke up. But Paul had a word from God that he would save them and he did. All 276 people made it to shore. You know, the book of Psalms provides us with some great wisdom and instruction. And if we practice it and read it, and like good sailors, we're more likely to survive the storm as we practice. Having an anchor is not enough. Knowing how to use it is important. Just having a Bible and reading it is good, but even better to practice and know how to use that and how God can use that in our lives. Well, let's talk about Psalms. So some of you know about the Bible Project. I really love that a lot. And in the Bible Project, there's some great intros, and one of them is to the Psalms. I recommend it. The Psalms as we know it weren't organized in that 150 verses until the first exile. They'd been written before that, but they hadn't been ordered like that. So that was part of what was, was happening uh, for the, uh, the Jews in their exile, is that they organized the Psalms, picked which ones and organized them in that kind of an order. <clears throat> and David uh, has written most of those, 75 of the 150. And you know, Psalms are poetry. Psalms are poetry. And Poetry speaks to us through metaphor. When we hear a poem that really touches us, it, it defies analysis. It just is real. There's something about it that grabs us. And I, I found the Psalms that way, to read it and be encountered with, with God, the realness of God. You know, there's, there's times when we uh, read and analyze, like in Romans. You know, we look at Romans for a concise summary of the gospel. You know, when we find, you know, the truth that's there about ourselves and about God. And we get, you know, practical advice on how to live out our Christian life. But with the Psalms, it's a little bit different. In a way, we're letting the Psalms read us. Like, what's going on in my soul? And the Psalms are like that poetry that can do that. And, so, and there's uh, two basic ideas about the types of psalms. One is laments, and another is psalms of praise. And our psalm today in 62 is in that psalms of lament category. And maybe some of you have actually written a psalm of lament. Here's how it might look. You know, your honest expression, your honest expression of pain or what's happening right now. And then questions for God. What about this? and our plea to God for help, and then the things we remember of what God is like, writing a psalm of lament. And then there are the psalms of praise, of which we had a great practical experience this morning, giving praise to God. And you know, reading and praying and singing psalms has been a tradition of the Jews and of the church up until this time. In fact, there are some 
um, of our brothers and sisters who will read through the Psalms every month. For me, it's a daily thing, a couple Psalms every day, letting them soak in and waiting, listening to hear what God would speak. Well, I'd like to read to you uh, Psalm 62, and I'm going to be doing that in the NLT. And in a little bit, I'll read a ver- some verses from, from the message. But let me read this to you, and you'll see this up on the screen. So let this psalm wash over you. I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. So in many enemies against one man, all of them trying to kill me. To them, I'm just a broken down wall or a tottering fence. They plan to topple me from my high position. They delight in telling lies about me. They praise me to my face, but curse me in their hearts. Let all that I am Wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. O my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your hearts to him. For God is our refuge. Common people are as worthless as a puff of wind, and the powerful are not what they appear to be. If you weigh them on scales together, they're lighter than a breath of air. Don't make your living by extortion or putting your hope in stealing. And if your wealth increases, don't make it the center of your life. God has spoken plainly, and I've heard it many times. Power, O God, belongs to you. Unfailing love, O Lord, is yours. Surely you repay all people according to what they've done. Hmm. I'd like to go back and we'll, we'll look at a few of these and then I'm going to focus just on verse 5 in a little bit. But back to verses 5 through 8. Let all that I am wait quietly before God for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He's my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. And then there's that Selah word, the interlude to pause and listen. Well, in verse 5, the NIV reads this way. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. So soul, or the Hebrew word, Nephesh is breath or life, the life force that's in us. Our emotions and desires make our whole being, soul. And so the translation that I like here in the NLT is, let all that I am, in my soul, let all that I am come before God. 
express, expresses my emotions, thoughts, what's happening in my body. And in Psalm 23, David says, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He restores me, all of me. Well, let's go forward to, to uh, verses uh, 9 to 10. Well, actually, 11 and 12. Let's move ahead. Let's go to verses 11 and 12. God has spoken plainly, and I've heard it many times. Power, O God, belongs to you. Unfailing love, O Lord, is yours. Surely you repay all people according to what they've done. And verse 12 has this word, hesed. And if Pastor Mike was here, he'd help us pronounce it the right way, but he's not. So hesed is the word for unfailing love or faithful love. And it's become my favorite word in Hebrew. <clears throat> and there's a book by Michael Card, who's a prolific songwriter and, and book writer. And he wrote this book called Inexpressible, Hesed in the Mystery of God's Loving Kindness. And it's really helped me appreciate hesed. You know, Hesed, we've seen it in God's forgiveness of the people and bringing them back to Jerusalem and building the temple. And we see Hesed in the character of Jesus. This, this love, this loving kindness, this unfailing love. We saw it in his parable about the shepherd who left the 99 in a safe pasture and went after the one. Hesed won't let us go. Hesed will come find us. We have a God whose character is one. He will come and find us. And Hesed, we see it in, the, in his interaction with this woman who was brought before him. He, she was caught in this act of adultery. And uh, Jesus banishes her accusers and sets her free and tells her, go and sin no more. The Hesed of God seen in the life of Jesus. And Michael Card says this about Hesed. I'll read this to you twice. Hesed, when the person from whom I have a right to expect nothing gives me everything. The Hesed of God. When the person from whom I have a right to expect nothing gives me everything. And Hesed's found 127 times in the Psalms. My new favorite Hebrew word, hesed. Well, in Psalm 62, God is experienced, as we have read it, as my victory, my salvation, my rock, my fortress, my hope. And he's known as the God of power and hesed, unfailing love. And I discovered Psalm 62 uh, back in 2007 uh, and I'm sure I'd read it previously, but God highlighted it to me and a group of my friends at Vineyard Missions as we were on this journey to be quiet and still and develop our intimacy with God as a foundation for the mission work that we were doing and for supporting the missionaries and national pastors that we had. Well, I'm going to read verses 5 to 8 again in the message. See if this brings a, a, a little different feel to it for you. 
God, the only one and only, I'll wait as long as he says. Everything I hope comes from him, so why not? He's solid rock under my feet, breath room, breathing room for my soul, an impregnable castle. I'm set for life. My help and glory are in God. Granite, strength, and safe harbor God. So trust in him absolutely, people. Lay your lives on the line for him. God is a safe place to be. A few, a few experiences that I had in COVID, when this verse came back to me, I was, I was uh, with Val, we were in the living room, it was in mid-2020, as things were locking down, and she shared Psalm 62 from her reading, and it just sparked it in me again that years before that had been a verse I, I lived in for a, a few years as I was learning to wait quietly before God. And like you in, in COVID, there was so much we had to learn. I had to take all my trainings online, spend hours and hours just to prepare for one hour of presentation. Things I, I used to do in person were so different. And because of my work, um, I found that I was having a sense of kind of boundary problems with my time. I was getting very tired. So I made myself available late at night or early in the morning to people in South Asia or North Africa. And I, I realized I was running out of energy. And when I get tired, I have problems concentrating and I have problems regulating my emotions. I knew I was needing to watch this. And so what I did and what this psalm helped me to do was to find God's peace each morning. You know, as I quieted myself in God's presence, he reminded me of how he had met me in the past. And remembering his Hesed love that had come to me and that he wouldn't let me go brought peace for me as I experienced his presence in that quiet, let all that I am wait quietly. And all the practice that I had done years before about waiting and practicing solitude, practicing silence, were coming in at just the right time. And this verse brought those back to me. Let me share some details from verse 5. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. First, let all that I am starts with awareness. Let all that I am. Well, what am I? Am I struggling with sadness and with anger? Am I feeling fearful with the uncertainty of COVID and what's going to happen? And then I would ask myself, well, that's true. But what else is true? Well, I'm loved. God always provided. We have provisions that we need. You know, I spent many years in my young adult and middle adult life overcoming the effects of trauma that came to me as a five and a six-year-old. And part of what helped was finding people who were glad to be with me, who were safe people from the storm, anchor people for me. And you know what? Here's what happened in COVID. I began to experience the edges of dread. 
and reactivity to like feeling like a victim of this thing and of others that were controlling my life. Rather than just push on and ignore these signs, I acknowledged them. I found help with Val and, and others who I knew who were glad to be with me. They treated my weakness with kindness. They didn't say, just get over it. They said, let's start with where you are at. And what I have found is that the God who helps us is the God who helps us with the real issues. And if I hide the real issues and I don't bring them up, am I going to get the help? God helps those who have real issues and a real longing and a real desire. And so as I began to experience that, I said, no, I am not going back there. I have been given life by God. And I leaned into being quiet before God so I could hear his voice again. Psalm 103 uh, is this. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things that he's done for me. See, I, er I, I learned this early in my healing journey and discipleship journey, that pretending I was okay did not make it so. God is not into pretending. He's into truth on the inward parts. He's into how is it now? Because he's the God who can meet us in our reality. Yes. So as feelings of sadness, and anger, fear, shame started to come up, they were kind of driving my ship towards these rocks and I was able to find my way back to the safe harbor with Jesus and find that I could anchor in his peace because when he is with us, when we perceive his presence, his peace that passes understanding comes to us and it changes everything. It doesn't change that circumstance usually. Sometimes it will. But it changes how I live it and how I am aware of his presence and receive his help. And I'm anchored in that. I wasn't going to surrender to those emotions and go down that road. I'd done that in the past, and I wasn't going down that path again. Now, some of you in this room, you really know what I'm talking about. You know that pretending or ignoring or numbing solves nothing. And in fact, it brings on more pain and destruction. You've known that. And I know there are some people in this room and watching right now who found hope and healing. And some have found that hope even in our Celebrate Recovery group here, right? It's a community we have here at Vineyard Boise. And I want to say to you that are there and those that know what I'm talking about, well done. Well done. Let's continue to help each other face the reality of our situations and find the reality of hope and healing as we follow Jesus together. That's what we can do here in the body of Christ. And you know, as we seek God, we have time with each other in fellowship, and then there's these quiet times, some of which we have corporately. 
But there's a, a famous painting I'd like you to look at. It's called Light of the World by William Holman Hunt. And it shows Jesus knocking at the door. And he's knocking, and his Hesed love has come knocking to find us. And he's ready to come in, if only we'll open the door. But you see no doorknob in that painting. I need to open the door from the inside. And with the noise of relentless media consumption for me, which I had to deal with during COVID, and painful emotions, and maybe a full house of people, because we're all in lockdown together, Finding quiet wasn't always easy, but it was always worth it. In Isaiah 30, we read this. This is what the Sovereign Lord says, the Holy One of Israel. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength, but you would have none of it. God was knocking at their door, but they didn't hear or wouldn't answer I don't want to be that person. And I need you to help me, and we need each other to say, don't be that person. Let's deal with how it is, because God will meet us here in community and in our times of quiet. And waiting's not my usual favorite activity, but he says, wait quietly. Wait quietly. And quieting takes practice. It takes practice to quiet. It's like sailing and learning to feel that gentle breeze and how to direct the sails in the boat. So I've practiced it being quiet. And I've got a checklist, actually. Let me show you the checklist. Let's go ahead to that. Now, okay, geeking out sailor that I am, I actually have checklists for stuff about following Jesus, like how to quiet, how to write a lament, I need all the help I can get. And when things are tough and the storm is raging, sometimes it helps to be reminded. And so I would practice quieting, different ways of breathing. I would name my distress and name my desires. Oh, Lord, I desire to find your peace. And I would calm my body through breathing and just doing that relaxation kind of thing. Quieting takes practice. And I would do whatever I could to be quiet, to be in the presence of God. Let all that I am wait quietly before God. See, I'm after more than a neuroscience brain hack to quiet my overactive amygdala, okay? Now, those are great. God gave us our brain, and we can do these things to help calm ourselves down. But I want to calm down and be in the presence of God. And so calming my soul is something that is also in my cards. Where is God, and how can I reach for him? We'll look at that slide. Where is God, and how can I reach for him in my distress? And I've done that through Emmanuel journaling. That's practicing the presence of God in journaling. Being quiet before him and expressing gratitude. And these other ways that, uh, including Psalms of Lament. We've just finished reading How to Hear God, that book by Peter Gregg. 
And I love that book. In fact, I think Val and I and Rob and Lori are going to read it again. It's like, let's do it again. I want to hear that again. And here's what Peter said. He said, this is important. If we're ever to feel fully safe and truly loved by the Lord of all the earth, we must eventually, like Elijah after Horeb, on Horeb, and that couple on the Emmaus Road, learn to listen to his voice in the anticlimax of life's non-events, to be in that calm place and hear the voice of God. Thinking about Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I'm God. I'll be honored in every nation. I'll be honored throughout the world. And I practiced and still practice silence, solitude, getting away with God, to be with God. And Ruth Haley Barton, the author of uh, one of my favorite books about that, Solitude and Silence, said this, we're starved for quiet. To hear the sound of sheer silence, that's the presence of God himself. Do you see how our brains can do that? We can be in worship with music, instruments, and voices. And we can be in worship in the quiet presence of God. It's all worship. To be with him changes everything. So I've shared with you a little bit about my journey, some of the hard stuff that happened and how finding God's peace, letting all that I am wait quietly before God. And in that, he would remind me of scriptures. He would remind me of ways in which he'd, he'd met me. I want to encourage you, even a minute of quiet and silence will begin to change your brain and help you wake up to the presence of God. When I'm aware of his presence, I'm not so afraid. When I'm aware of his presence, I have something to share with others. When I'm aware of his presence, I feel his love. And that would be my hope and desire and longing for you, that you could quiet your soul and find a moment of quiet in his presence. Let all that I am wait quietly before God. For my hope, and I think your hope, is in him. I have some resources to share. There's a slide just in case you want to get a screenshot of this. So there's How to Hear God. That's the Peter Gregg book I mentioned. If you haven't read that or if... Redo it again with the group you were with. Then there's a book I love called Joyful Journey, Listening to Emmanuel. And this book is all about this uh, gratitude journaling and being with God, writing something and listening for his response. Beautiful, beautiful book. And then that book I mentioned, Invitation to Solitude and Silence. And then The Bible Project. Uh, always encourage you to take a look there for the the, the passages that we're working through. And then there's Green Pastures uh, by Pastor Mike, 
which is an amazing, amazing gem for us. As I talked about facing reality and being with a group of people who are glad to be with you, who really will bring with them the love of God for you, that Hesed love. There's a group here, as I mentioned, in Celebrate Recovery. I think we have a, a, a slide with that or maybe a QR, I'm not sure. But um, I, I'd, uh, I've asked uh, uh, Kimber uh, LaFond to come up here when, once we uh, are closing. She'll come up. Kimber, are you here? I don't know. There she is. So she'll be over here. And uh, Kimber can talk to you about Celebrate Recovery. If something stirred in you and you said, I want to be with those courageous people who will face life as it is together in God's presence with his power, come and talk and uh, talk with Kimber. She'll talk to you about how to connect and, um, and, be, uh, and visit that group and be part of those courageous people. And then another thing I've learned is that it's so important that we do this together. We are not called to the Christian life alone, but we are called to it in community. And I've needed practice, like how do we do that? How can I develop community? And there's a, a really cool uh, two-week intensive called Formation Renovation that's going to happen. It'll be in October. And experiencing God's presence together, being disciples learning how to do that together. And uh, Greg is here. There's Greg right there. And he's going to, he'll come up. If you want to talk to him about this opportunity, he can share it with you. And there'll be more coming as we get close to the autumn time. And uh, as Pastor Trevor said, we'll be talking about the groups that are coming. We weren't made to do this alone, were we, Greg? And, and it, it just being with other courageous people who are willing to practice is so important and helpful. Well, as the uh, worship team comes back up, we want to give an opportunity for us to, to respond, to receive prayer. And as I've been speaking today, if something's stirred in you and you would like someone to pray with you, there'll be a prayer team here that can can meet with you. If you want to know more about Celebrate, uh, Celebrate Recovery, Kimber is just here. Come and talk to her. If you were really stirring about that, just come and do it. Talk to Greg about formation renovation. It's possible that someone in this room was stirred up because you heard me talking about how good it is to be in the presence of Jesus, to experience him, and you've never, ever known that before. And you want to. You want to know about him. You want to experience his loving presence, his forgiving presence. If that's stirring in you, I encourage you, even now, to raise your hand and let one of our prayer team come and, and meet with you. Or else come to the front. They'll be up here. Don't let the moment go if something's stirring in you. 
Jesus, the peace of God, the Hesed of God is here for you right now. And also our prayer team has some words that we'll put up that they felt were the Lord encouraging. If any of those pertain to you, don't wait. Come on up. And if you're needing additional prayer, talk to someone on the prayer team every other Monday or most some Monday nights right in the lobby here in the office. There's times for soaking prayer and extended times of prayer. So as we worship, as we wait before God, I invite you. Respond to the God who's full of unfailing love that lasts forever. He's here for you right now. healing presence. Spirit, come and stir us. Help us respond to what you want for us today. I bless you to receive from God the peace of God, the love of God's presence. listening. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.